Hey, good morning. My name is Pastor Andy. It is my pleasure to be here with you uh, at this building here in West Des Moines. We got some people watching other campuses as well. If you're watching online, I want to say a special welcome to you. Or if you're on a rebroadcast or watch this online, uh, we're praying for you and glad that you're here with us today as well. So, right, prayer. That's what we're talking about today. And we're not just throwing Greg under the bus because we think he's a funny guy, right? But because most of us can probably relate to that in some fashion, right? Some way. And I, I think about my in-laws are fantastic, but I didn't know that at the beginning. I mean, I was very nervous when I was uh, just meeting them for the first time and trying to get to know them, right? And then you, you think that's a lot of pressure that comes with that. But then you begin to put it with uh, the fact that he's asked to say grace. And so Greg's got two things going on in that clip, right? One, he's trying to, to woo these in-laws. And on the other hand, when you think about it, He's engaging the God of the universe. And so as we begin to think about that, even what's going on in that room, most of us probably every once in a while still, and I am in this boat with you this morning if you are feeling this way, right? We still come across these moments in life, these moments in time where we're not quite sure how to pray. We know that we should. Most of us have probably gotten that message at some point in our life. We know that it's a good thing, but how do you do it? And what does it look like? And even as a pastor, I find myself in these moments, these social situations or just tough things or happy things or whatever. And it's like, well, what, what do I say? Or should I pray? Or, oh, I don't know. Should I, what, what do we do? And so there are all kinds of questions in it. And I'm excited about today uh, as we dig into it. It's the next tour stop on this journey we've been on uh, these last uh, few weeks uh, in the sermon series that we're in right now. It's called Here We Stand. And it's a 10-week confirmation refresher. Now, I know not everybody in this church grew up Lutheran in a, in a liturgical tradition uh, like Lutheranism. But as a Lutheran, young Lutheran boy myself, I got to go. And I say got to, I think. You know, maybe I had to uh, go to confirmation class. And we got to learn about all these basics of the faith. And really the way that I would describe it. And this is what we've been doing the last few weeks, right? It's looking at the creed, uh, the Apostles' Creed that kind of describes the Christian faith as well as the Ten Commandments. Well, today we're going to look at the Lord's Prayer. What we're doing in this series is we're, we're looking through the lens of Martin Luther. Martin Luther was just a guy, right? Just like any of us, a human being, but he's one who listened to God's call in his life and, and was able to contribute some pretty powerful things. In fact, probably has a lot more to do with whatever lenses you look through this morning uh, to look at the Christian faith than maybe you even realize. And so that's what we're doing in, in this 500-year anniversary of his life and, and some of the pivotal moments of his ministry and his impact on our world, frankly. Uh, we want to celebrate that and go back and look at that. And today we're digging into the Lord's Prayer because uh, it's an incredibly important journey to have. So as I've been thinking about confirmation, we're going through the series though, I've been trying to think, uh, you know, this thought has crept in my mind and, and it wasn't that long ago, maybe four or five years as a pastor, uh, you look at this stuff that Luther taught. It's, it's called the Small Catechism. It's a, it's a small book, just a brief summary of his thoughts on these topics that he wanted to give to families to be able to pass the faith on the next generation. And I was sitting in, a few years ago in a seminary class where we had to memorize this book, right? And we had to go through this information. Look at this, and I'm sitting there and I was just kind of getting mad. I'm looking at this information and I'm thinking to myself like, there's gold in this, right? This is a fantastic way, a different great lens to look through to understand Jesus Christ and what it means to have a relationship with him and how much God loves us. And I'm loving every minute of it and I'm frustrated because I'm like, why didn't anybody teach me this stuff when I was a kid? And then I began to realize they tried. <laughs> I was in junior high and I was way more interested about the girl that I was sitting next to than what the teacher was saying up front, right? 
And so as we dig in today, then maybe for some of you, this is a fresh look at this prayer, the Lord's Prayer. We, we pray it around here fairly often. Certainly uh, when we have communion, we pray it. Sometimes we work it into services. We do it at funerals. We do it at weddings, right? And you've probably heard this. or you've been in a public setting or something where it's, it's prayed, But have you ever thought about what it looks like and what to dig into it? Well, that's what we're going to do today is dig into this. And we're so glad that you're here and along for this ride. And here's for me why prayer has been incredibly important even this week. Personally, I have thoroughly enjoyed uh, working on this message because I need to hear this. Here's the, the reality that I've been experiencing this week. Let's jump to the next slide. It's been this, that life can be hard. Can I get an amen? Life can be hard. Now, uh, maybe you have experienced your own challenges this week and you've had these a few moments where you're just saying, what is going on right now, right? Well, for me, it's been a whole couple weeks. It's been a pretty challenging season and we're back to school, right? Fall is here, although the weather is incredibly confused right now, right? It's fall, at least I think it is. There's football on TV, right? And we begin to settle into these school routines, but the only problem is, you guys, I am exhausted right now. And it's stemming from the fact, there's one big change this fall from the last few, actually. Uh, It's that my wife decided to go to grad school. And I am so proud of her and so excited for her. She's going to the University of Iowa, which we'll we'll think of, that's another sermon for another day. But uh, she's uh, studying to be a social worker, which means that she's following God's call in her life to move out to the front lines and to help continue to grow healthy communities and change lives and all those things. Those things, honestly, I believe that God calls all of us to. And so she's like, well, I'm thinking about going to grad school. And it took me six years working as a part-time student and a full-time worker in ministry uh, to do that. And when we started, we had no kids. And by the time I was done with school, we had four kids, right? So she held down the fort for six long years. So when she comes to me and she's like, I'm thinking about going to grad school, what am I going to say, right? No, you can't do that. No, I said, how can I help? And so we had this fantastic conversation. She's working for one of our mission partners, Wildwood Hills Ranch, and she's taking these classes. And then, oh yeah, she's married to me and doing all these other things with kids and all these other things going on, right? And so we have this conversation and this is how it goes. Maybe in your household, it's the same way, right? But uh, she used the word just. You ever pay attention to the word just in a conversation, especially with a significant other, right? She's like, oh, I just need you. Uh, to handle everything to do with school. And if you could just go ahead and take care of just, you know, the sports. Uh, we got four kids on four soccer teams. And she's like, you know, I, I don't ask much, but if you could just keep the house kind of picked up, just kind of picked up, not my standards, but your standards, just keep it picked up. Those are exactly the same, right? She's smiling over here, right? And she's like, if you could just make sure that there's something to eat around the house, right? And I'm like, yeah, you know what? No problem. Six years, you did this when I was in school. I've got this, babe. And so we go into this and I, you guys, I had this moment this week where I'm just like, what is going on? Okay. Right. So I've got the kids to school, but I can't even keep up with the emails. I mean, we've got four kids on four soccer teams. I can't even get the right kid with the right shin guards to the right field with the right ball at the right day. Like I am struggling to figure, I need a spreadsheet to figure all of this stuff out. And so we are making do and we're learning as we're going, we're figuring it out, but this is the week where it snapped. Something in me, I just, I reached my limit because as I'm driving a couple of our kids to a park one Saturday, last weekend actually, I noticed there's a little crack in our windshield and I thought, well, that's interesting. I guess I better call somebody and get that fixed when we get back home. By the time we get to the park, this one inch crack has become 24 inches long. I'm like, okay, I guess we're going to replace the windshield. And I love the technology these days. They come and they do it while you're at work. It's unbelievable, right? 
And so as the technician is handing me this bill for $750 before insurance for a windshield, he says to me very casually, did you know this was an inside job? I'm like, are you, are you blaming me for breaking my own windshield? What are, you, what are you talking about, an inside job? And he's like, no, no, no. No, but it really, there's no evidence of a rock chip. There's no glass missing. It really seems like, what, let me ask you a question. Was anybody in your van last weekend and maybe like playing with the mirror a bunch and like, I don't know, pulling on it and my face went white because earlier in the week I was cleaning our garage and how do you keep kids occupied when you're trying to clean your garage? You let them in the vehicle and let them press all the buttons. And I got in there and the, the river mirror was completely twisted and upside down and backwards. You guys, my kids broke my windshield in my minivan. <laughs> and the guy comes and he tells me this and the look on my face probably said it all, but I just said, are you kidding me? I can't handle this anymore. And so when I say that life is hard, that's exactly what I'm feeling. And I've talked to some of you here this morning and even some of you this week. Right? All of us have these moments in our lives where we just begin to realize, right, life is hard. And we don't need a, a sermon to remember that. Right? We live in this world where our credit scores are not even protected from hackers. Let alone, I think of those of you that got some medical news this week that just rocked your world. And I think about the hurt that you're carrying around because of what's happened to you, the things maybe people have said to you. Right? I think all of us can agree on this experience that life at times can be incredibly challenging. And I was thinking about it this week as we're walking in the Lord's Prayer and here's what was on my heart. This question showed up. Do you know what's kept me grounded in the midst of all this? You know what's kept me from going over the edge and going postal? Honestly, it's knowing this fact that I'm not alone. It's knowing that I am connected not just to some deity up some place, but I am connected to the God of the universe. And, and forgive my poor analogies, but he reminds me so much of OnStar. Maybe some of you owed a GM vehicle back in the day when they had OnStar. They don't seem to do that much anymore, right? But you could press a button and help would be there, right? Always available. Even if you wrecked your car, they could sense it and they would send help to you. Whatever you needed directions, you could ask for. God is the exact same way. And I find incredible comfort in that. This idea that life is, can be so hard is all around us. And, and what the saving grace in this is, right? That we are not alone. It's the reality this morning that prayer is powerful. Prayer is powerful. I've experienced this in my own life and I know many of you and I think about this church family, we, uh, many of us have as well. But here's what I love about prayer. It tells you everything that you need to know about God. It, it really does. It tells you at least most, if not everything you need to know about God and about his heart and what it means to live in a relationship with him. I love what James 5 says. Listen to this here this morning. Take these words in. James chapter 5, verse 13. Are any of you suffering? You might be saying, yeah, that's me this morning. James says, you should pray. Are any of you happy? You should sing praises. Are any of you sick? Then you should call the elders of the church to come. And, and I love scripture, right? Uh, and maybe sometimes we hear things we wish would change. I love that he says, call the elders of the church to come and to pray for you. But you know, you know what I, if I could edit the Bible, and this is probably borderline heretical for a pastor to say, but I wish James would have said, is call your brothers and sisters in Christ. Call your people, your people. 
and have them come pray over you, anointing with oil in the name of the Lord. He says the elders of the church, and that's fantastic to do. We'd love to do that. But one of my favorite things as a pastor is when I get to the hospital room, and I'm the last one there, and that's a good thing. Because the people who know you even better, they know you inside and out, are there to care for you. And they're like, oh yeah, pastor, we're glad you're here. Have a nice day, right? I love that. Because that's the church being the church. And that's what James is talking about. He says, such a prayer offered in faith will heal the sick. And the Lord will make you well. If you've committed any sins, you're going to experience forgiveness, James says. He says, the earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power. Everybody say power. We need more of that, don't we? It produces wonderful results. Acts 2.42, this shows up as well. The Holy Spirit uh, shows up in Acts chapter 2. This church is born and there's power again that happens. And this is how the disciples find themselves responding to this. It says they devote themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship and to sharing in meals and to prayer. This is part of what this looks like. Paul says like this in Philippians. He says, don't worry about anything. Pray about everything. Tell God what you need. And thank him for what he's done. One of the best practices that has probably transformed not just my prayer life, but my life has been the idea at the end of the day, if I will take the 30 seconds to even identify three or four things that were awesome, right? Things that God did to give him thanks and praise for where he's been active in my world and in my life. It just, it's like, it's like a weight that lifts and it opens things up, right? Prayer is powerful. Paul says, pray about everything. Uh, Luther says it like this. He says, pray and let God worry. Pray and let God worry. I like that. I can memorize that, right? Here's what I want to do this morning. And maybe you are having a fantastic weekend. Maybe life's easy for you, but maybe some of you have had a week like I had. Here's what I want to do this morning. On the count of three, I want us all to take a huge deep breath in and just let it out. Ready? One, two, three. <sighs> I needed that. Did that feel good? What does it look like to have more with that? What does it look like to be people of prayer who are connected to our Heavenly Father? Luther goes on to say it like this. He says, to be a Christian without prayer is no more possible than to be alive without breathing. He says it's essential, right? It's a natural dynamic of this relationship with God. What, what do you think of when I, think of when I say prayer? Right? What I think of when you think of, of your relationship with prayer, are, do you tend to think of it as a, a got to or do you think of it as a get to? Right? Do you think of, of it as a, a duty or do you think of it as a delight? Let me put it in terms at least uh, Andy Hermanson can understand. In, in the garage when I turned 16 years old, there were two cars in my parents' garage. One of them was a 1995 Ford Taurus. Oh, baby. Right? Awesome. Taurus. Next to it was my dad's 1966 banana yellow Mustang convertible. Now think about this. Well, first off, which one do you think they gave me the keys to when I turned 16, right? Which ones did I want? No, when you think about prayer, if I had a table up here and I put both sets of keys, I put the Taurus and the Mustang right, right next to each other. And I said, grab the set of keys that reminds you of what's given to you in prayer. What's available to you? How it works its way into your life. What are you going to grab? You see, I'm convinced, and I wrestle with this in my own life. We'll talk about that in a minute. 
I'm convinced I drive around a Ford Taurus fairly often when God has given me the sweetest car that I, even better than I could imagine. This shows up in my own life. And, and my wife and I, about five years into our marriage, I think, uh, realized some pretty cool prayer stories we had that we did. I mean, God, I feel like gives us these gifts and we get to open them over time. So on our anniversary, obviously we go out and we celebrate, but we like to reminisce and we start telling stories about, you know, what we've learned this year in marriage and where we're at and what we need to look at it to the future. And we celebrate and laugh about the things that we're glad happened and we wish hadn't happened, all those things. But we also usually wander into conversations surrounding who we were before we met each other. And she's just casually telling this story at one point as she is a high school student. She's at this retreat and she's praying for a future spouse. And I think, oh, well, that's interesting as we're putting all these pieces together. She's praying for a future spouse, that they would know God, that they would live their life for him, that they would be somebody who's strong and trustworthy and safe and, and just able to, to, to live for the right things, right? To, be, to live a full, healthy life. Everything, you know, that was at least on her mind in, and as a senior in high school. And we're putting the pieces in the timeline together and we begin to realize, man, that's the exact same time. I'd, I'd grown up in this incredible faith tradition, this great Lutheran church. But I wasn't fully, I, I remember as a kid thinking, someday this stuff's going to be really important to me. And you guys, I'm not making this up. It was about that same time, maybe just a couple months after she had prayed that prayer. God rocked my world through a couple mentors and some experiences at college. I said, Jesus, I give up. Like, I know what you've done for me. Like, here, take it all, right? You can live my life so, for me so much better than I can. I, I want to follow you. And so she's telling me this story over dinner, and we're just blown away. Even in our engagement, I'm wrestling with confidence and uh, all this stuff. And she's come from just a place in her life where she really wanted somebody she could look to and to lean on, as any of us do, right, in a key relationship. And I was paralyzed in a lot of ways because fear had had this grip on my life. And she's thinking about breaking off our engagement. She's at an internship in Boston, and she's praying in Boston with her friend. We have no idea. I'm watching a movie. The movie ends, and on a Friday night, I guess I was working at a Bible camp at the, time, at the time. This is what we do, I guess. I don't know. I was like, you know, I feel like I should pray. And I had this powerful experience, and I know not all of us have had prayer experiences like this, but where I, I am pretty sure that I felt my heavenly Father's presence heal my heart from some of these wounds, this stuff that I'd been carrying. God showed up. And so I called her and I said, you wouldn't believe this. And she's like, really? Because we were just praying for you, right? Prayer is powerful. This is what happens, and this is just the tip of the iceberg. We have story after story in this church of doing these kinds of things. But the point is, when we begin to live these lives of prayer, we experience these gifts, it becomes contagious. It catches on like wildfire. And I'm convinced in Luke chapter 11, the disciples see this. And they want what Jesus has. And that's why when they come, we pick up the story in Luke 11 today, right? It's not Jesus marching all of his disciples into a classroom with a whiteboard. And he's not saying, all right, today we're going to talk about prayer. No, no, no. He's been out praying and they've been out ministering. They've been living with him and they're like, Jesus, you have to tell us how to pray because we see what you're doing and how you're a force for good in this world, right? Your kingdom is coming and, and your will is advancing here, right? The demons are even listening to you and responding. Teach us how to pray. They're begging for it at this point. And so he does, but he also encourages them. He says, everyone who asks, receive. Everyone who seeks, finds. 
Everyone who knocks, the door will be open. And he says this, and this is another thing I can relate to. You fathers, if your children ask for a fish, do you give them a snake instead? If they ask for an egg, do you give them a scorpion? Well, of course not. So if you sinful people, and that's, that's me, if you know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to you, to those who ask him? Have you ever taken the time to wonder what it is about prayer that makes it so powerful, that makes it so robust? I, I would argue this morning, it's the fact that it's rooted not in us, but it's rooted in a father's love. It's rooted in our heavenly Father's love. I mean, the reality is in a room this size, it can be easy just to feel like you're here, but you're not really here. And here's what I want, whether you're watching online, whether you're in this room this morning, here's what I want you to know. I want you to know that you're not anonymous. I want you to know that God sees you and he hears you and he loves you and he would do anything to be with you except force himself upon you. He's going to wait until you come and knock the door. But he loves you. You're his kid. And I know, I know, I know, so many of us have stories that get in the way of us being able to believe that and trust that, that God is a loving father. But my encouragement to you is let God define fatherhood rather than any story or relationship or experience you've had on this planet. Because he is good and he has something powerful for you. Right, you're his kid, he's your father. And so as I've talked about, I've got some kids at home and one of the things that I've learned about kids is as a father, right, at least two things are true. Number one, kids know how to ask for things, right? They're really good at it. And the second thing is, right, it's hard to ignore the voice of your kids. As a father, I can't help but turn. We were uh, doing some fundraising this week for uh, my son and daughter, They're the older two, they go to an elementary school that we live nearby. And so they do a race around the school and you get sponsorships. I love that it's not door-to-door -door selling, right? I love that I don't have to do all of that. I love that we can go and talk to people about the school and how much we love it and they can invite. And so my son gets, a seven-year-old gets pumped. Clearly he's catching the vision, grabs my phone, FaceTimes his grandpa, and he calls him and says, hey, would you like to donate, right? Which is kind of impressive, but here's the amazing part. My son, my seven-year-old son, started my father-in-law out at $500, Now, I like to think he's ambitious and has goals, but we had just talked about a $70 to $5 fundraising goal. I think he was distracted by the prize that you can get an Amazon Kindle or a Fire or something, an iPad or something if you raise $500, right? Luckily for his grandpa, he talked him down all the way to 25. But when grandma came to write the check, it was still $50. He still got twice as much. Why? Because he knew how to ask. And because as, as hard as it is for a parent to ignore our kids' request, I'm convinced for grandparents it's twice as hard to ignore their grandchildren. <laughs> right? Why? Because we love them. And maybe we don't know how, how to say no. I, I live with these kids every day. I have no problem saying no. <laughs> unless they're in pain. Right? And unless they really need something. And so this idea, we can probably relate to the idea of God as a parent watching out for us, watching over us, but that doesn't change the fact that prayer can be hard. Prayer can be hard. And uh, it's intimidating. We get busy, right? There, how do we do it, right? I mean, 
I go back to the opening clip and Greg, right? The, there was a formal tablecloth. Clearly that required a formal prayer, right? Like we, how do we learn what to do, when to do it and be comfortable in our own skin? There are so many challenges. Well, James talks about another one here in, in chapter four. He says, you don't have because you don't ask. And if you ask, it's not always with the right motives. And if I'm honest, right, I have these moments. I think my prayer life is trending north. It's trending the right direction. But I still have these moments where I'm terrified to ask. A few years ago, my son, Callan, we were first realizing that he had some medical complications and he's had surgery and he's doing fantastic now. Somebody asked me this week, they said, I've been praying for you every day for the last six months. How's your son doing? Are you gonna tell us? And I was like, yeah, he's awesome. He's fantastic. They just took my, took my breath away when somebody told me they'd been praying for me. But going back to the very beginning of this, we'd wrestled and trying to figure out what's going on, right? And the worst part of any medical situation is when you don't know what you don't know, right? And so we're just praying for clarity and Heather and I, we're kind of talking about this and she, we're getting ready to go to another hospital and see some new doctors. And she said, I think we should pray. Let's, let's get a bunch of people together, right? She's a James 5 kind of person. Let's get a bunch of people together and pray. You know what my reaction was? And embarrassed to say, I think the words even came out of my mouth, like, oh, really? Do we want to get people together to pray? Like, I don't want to inconvenience people. Hold on, time out. A pastor just confessed that to you, right? And I started thinking about it, and this is why I love the discipleship classes that we do here at Hope. Like, we do fantastic things on the weekend, but we also understand this idea that God loves us way too much to leave us the way that we are. And so we're constantly growing as well. And one of the ways I've grown is really come through our core class and some of our other classes where you get to map out your life on a sheet of paper and you begin to see the themes that run through your story. And one of the things in my story is this idea that I think there are some different points where I had some pretty serious needs, emotional and physical, whatever, and they weren't always met perfectly. Hello, right? No parent is perfect. But somewhere along the line, I think I've begun at least to pick up some of these false ideas that the, the people in my life at times, they can't always care for me. And sometimes it's not even worth bothering them. And so I've taken all this, what life has dealt me, and I've placed it into my understanding of God sometimes. And so I think I trip up on that. The reality is that prayer can be hard. And I think all of us can list a reason or 25 the, why that's true. And so what I find is I, I'm often challenged to trust God. But what I do trust, unfortunately, probably better than anything, is myself. And what happens when I set out to trust myself is that I end up tired, I end up weak, I end up with less than great. And frankly, I've missed an opportunity to hang out with my dad, my heavenly dad. And I think this is exactly where the disciples are when they come and they ask Jesus, for, to teach him how to pray. And so he gives them these seven petitions. And I've got these petitions up here on the screen uh, today. And I put into everyday language, and I'm sorry if this is small, if you can't read, I wanted to get on one page, right? But we say, uh, our Father who art in heaven, right? That's another way of saying, uh, hey, Dad, right? Hallowed be thy name, you're, you're holy. And what Luther would say about that is that God, we pray in this prayer that God would help us to live holy lives, right? And then the next part of that, help us live for you, our King, Right? That's where we say in the Lord's Prayer, our kingdom, your kingdom come. And, and then we move into the will part and we get in the forgiveness and the guide and the protection and all these other things. But what I want to draw your attention to as much as anything this morning is the answer to this question. Who, who do you pray to? Who do you pray to? Because what Jesus is giving his disciples here, right, is, are two pictures. Number one is this idea that we, we pray to our father, to our dad. Right? The other, the other idea here is that we pray 
to the king of the universe. In fact, when I think about this, I have to ask myself this question fairly often. Who is it that I'm praying to, right? Because Jesus, in his instruction to his disciples, he says this. He says, on the one hand, he says, you have a father in heaven that loves you. And he talks about that throughout this passage, right? But as he's instructing them, he also instructs them that they're praying to the king, right? Unconditional love, unconditional uh, listening and support and understanding. The king is the one with all the power and the authority and the resources to be able to do something about it. And I think when I find myself picking up the Ford Taurus keys in my life instead of driving the Mustang, what happens here is I've managed to put this word or here. Or I've just gotten rid of these notions altogether, right? Either God loves me, but I just am not sure he can really do anything about this. I mean, this is a big thing to ask for, even crazier than $500 for a fundraiser, right? Or it's the other way around. I know he could do something, but God, he's not really interested right now. And this is where being in community is so helpful because God has surrounded me with people to remind me this is not or, this is and. That you and I, when we worship the God that Jesus knew, he's our dad and our dad happens to be the king of the universe. And so it's with this dad, the king of the universe that we come to him and we say, may your will be done. May what you want May what you want take place, right? And when Luther talks about kingdom, he's talking about believing the faith, living out God's promises for us, living as his happy and joy-filled children. But notice these other verbs here, right? Provide us what we need. Give us our daily bread. Forgive us as we forgive, right? Guide us on the path that is lead us not into temptation, deliver us or protect us from evil. These kind of verbs right here, this is what fathers do. Right? This is what shepherds do, what fathers, even great mothers, what is the, the, the roles and the, the love that God has given us in our life. This is what love looks like in our life. And so when we pray this prayer to our Father who is in heaven, this is what we're asking for. Love us. Take care of us. Give us what we need to live this life the way that you have been designed it. And what's beautiful about this prayer is it's not just about us either. It takes us and it throws us out into this world to be salt and light, to be good news wherever we find ourselves, right? What if we make prayer too complicated? What if it's not about the presentation and the show and getting the words right? What if it's about sitting down with your dad and just getting a chance to do this? (sighs) Right? What's on your heart this morning? What I love about the Lord's Prayer is it's a framework, right? It's not a rule book. It's not a manual on how to pray. It's a, it's a framework. It's a set of guides to help you. So if you look at this list, right, about reminding God that he's holy, maybe it's helping God, God helping you live for him. Maybe it's wanting to see his will, which is good and perfect, by the way, happen on this planet. Maybe that's what it is for you. Maybe, maybe you're in need of something. Maybe it's provision, And maybe what you most need in provision isn't just stuff, although Luther talks about we ask God for everything and God provides everything. Maybe what you need provision of this morning is forgiveness. Maybe it's guidance. And maybe it's protection. And as Luther talks about that, that's been ringing in my ears all week as well because when he talks about evil, he's not just talking about bad guys, right? People who are out to get us, but he's talking about this idea that this world is broken and it's responding to the brokenness that it's been subject to ever since the story took a wrong turn. 
hurricanes, tornadoes, all of this, earthquakes, all these things, right? This is what we pray to God for, is for him to help us, and he responds as a loving father. So what, what we want to do this morning is not just talk about this stuff, not just teach you all about it. I just want to give you 30 seconds to take a deep breath and just to share what's on your heart with your dad. Let's do that this morning, uh, and then I've got one more thing, and then we'll head home. So let's take a moment to be with our Father. God, we say thank you to you here today. Lord, we invite you here. We know that you're here. And God, in this next minute here, Lord, I pray you'd speak to us. God, we ask for your provision. God, I pray those in this room that need forgiveness or need to forgive would, would talk to you about it first. And God, that they'd be led to pursue the people they need to pursue. Lord, we pray the temptations that we could be honest with you about those. God, the things that scare us. Lord, give us words for those this morning. God, to you be all the power and the glory now and forever. And everybody said? Amen. Amen. That's just a taste, right? And for some of us, maybe that's almost too much, but there's an ocean of relationship and love and conversation with God available to you. And so the final thing again this morning is if you're wondering, can I pray? Should I pray? How do I pray? This is what I want you to know this morning. It's this fact that he sees you and he hears you. You're not anonymous. Your dad knows who you are and he's here. In fact, he's already working the circumstances of your life for your good. The question is, are you gonna listen to him and engage with him in that or just live our own way? Awesome. Let's pray one more time. God, we say thank you today for your love and for your grace and for all this, Lord, we invite you here. All these prayers, God. As we celebrate to you, as we invite you to be closer and closer, God, we give you excitement and praise. God, we say thank you for the things that you've done. And Lord, give us reasons to celebrate now. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen.